So we are uh, Sunday number three in our series that we have been calling Seeing Salvation. For the last few Sundays, we've been taking time to slow down, to listen to scripture, and to reflect on a piece of art, a piece of art that sheds new light on the very familiar story of Christmas. We want to pay attention to how Jesus, the living word, might reveal himself to us in a different way. And it hasn't been a sermon every week, but it's been a reflection from two people who've spent time with this painting and have found themselves spoken to by it somehow. And I know that this has been a meaningful experience for lots of you. Anyone who wants to can take the newsletter home and to kind of make it a part of your practice as you get ready for Christmas. Reflect on that painting and see what it might say to you. Next week on December 29th, for those of you who uh, are going to be joining us, that will be our last Sunday, and we'll be doing our Consolations and Desolations uh, service, sharing the highs and the lows with each other in the light of God's presence with the help of a piece of art as well. Hopefully these uh, mornings have been meaningful to you and not just like an art history lecture. I read a quote recently which I think captures what I long for us to experience in the midst of these um, mornings. Sacred art is a means of grace. Grace to stop and listen. Grace to respond with our heart. Grace to experience doctrinal truth as relational reality. Doctrinal truth as relational reality. Grace to see in depth. Grace to engage the imagination. Grace to be transformed. And grace to worship. So in the next few moments, we're going, I'm going to invite you to stand. And we will sing the song that we've been singing as a prayer. That we might see Jesus. That Jesus might open our eyes. And then we're going to listen to a scripture read. Theo is going to be our reader today. Then we're going to watch a video that will kind of show us this piece of art. And they're going to listen to a couple of people reflect. Liana Huberts, who I haven't seen today, but I trust is in the building. There she is. And Ken. All right, so before we stand and sing, I'm just going to give you a few introductory remarks on this painting. Just some things for you to know. Uh, you'll see it on your newsletter there. Dutch painter, and I hope I'm going to get this right, Gergen Tote Sinjans, painted around 1490, hanging in the National Gallery in London. It's one of the earliest depictions of the nativity at night. And you can see how the artist is playing with light and dark. The one thing I want to tell you about the painting that I find interesting is that it has uh, not aged that well that soon after it was painted, it was uh, sawed off on all sides. It was a part of a larger painting, and it's now a smaller painting because it's been sawed into little bits. It was damaged in a fire early in the 1900s, which has shifted some of the colors. The, the sky is darker, and Mary's robe is darker, and the whole painting is darker. And yet there's something about it that speaks to me, even in the midst of the damage that it has suffered. So, in the light of that knowledge, let us begin by standing and we will sing a prayer and then I'll invite Theo to come and read. Would you stand with me, please? Open eyes. 
So this morning, I'm reading a couple of passages from the books of Isaiah and the book of John. A few passages, actually. Isaiah 9.2 and 6.7 say, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in a land of deep shadows, light, sunbursts of light. For a child has been born for us, the gift of a son for us. He'll take over the running of the world. His names will be Amazing Counselor, Strong God, Eternal Father, Prince of Wholeness. His ruling authority will grow, and there will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. The book of John, chapters, chapter 1, verse 1 to 5 and 9 to 14, says the word was first. The word present to God, God present to the word. The word was God in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life. And the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. He was in the world, the world was there through him, and yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. These are the God-begotten, not blood-begotten, not flesh-begotten, not sex-begotten. The word became flesh and blood, and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. So as we have been doing every week, I've invited two people to come and um, to share with us some of the reflections that they have had as they've spent some time with the painting. Our two people today are Liana Huberts and Ken. Liana, I'd like to invite you to come and to share with us uh, what struck you about the painting, how it spoke to you, what you noticed. The one, I think I've asked uh, folks to focus on one detail that uh, you noticed and what was meaningful to you. So uh, when I first looked at this painting a couple of weeks ago, I had to search for the image online and under the pictures um, of the painting were descriptions. As I started to read, I had to stop myself because I really wanted to experience the painting before reading about it. So I grabbed the first piece of paper I could find, which was um, this pink piece of construction paper, and wrote in point form the things that struck me. Feeling immediately moved, a little weepy, my heart, and I underlined my heart, Baby seems so naked and vulnerable. Wonder. He's just chilling. Light coming from him. Angels seem delighted, hands folded in prayer. One angel seems more astonished. Everyone also looks like they're kind of processing, like, is this really happening or what just happened? No one is smiling like I would think maybe would be the case. Perhaps they're overwhelmed. 
each angel is processing this differently. One is staring off blankly, like once removed. The other seems devoted in fastidious prayer. The other seems delighted or emotional, and one is kind of hiding, like not sure what to make of it. And yet another further back, praying, grateful, yet needing some distance. Mary looks like she's in awe slash shock, staring at this wonder, not sure what this all means or what this is going to look like or how this is going to pan out. The animals aren't um, thinking about it because they just, they don't think. They're just experiencing whatever and it is and they're just cool with it. Uh, and I wrote, I relate, and I underlined it, although that was a couple weeks ago now, and whilst I was um, reflecting, I was also enjoying a glass of wine, so I can't really remember what I was <laughs> relating to, but uh, also uh, so much darkness around, and I put not knowing, question mark. Um, and then a few days ago, I looked at the painting again and then wrote down my reflections, and I'm probably just going to read it because if I had to speak on the fly, I'd just turn into a bumbling mess, so here it goes. Um, the first thing that I can't get over is the nakedness of baby Jesus. He's so bare, yet he looks so calm and serene. The light that is emanating from him seems almost to be the only light source in the painting. I feel moved, like in the gut. I'm not quite sure why. Maybe it's the wonder, the beauty, the light coming from this naked baby, so vulnerable, completely, yet powerful and perfect. Mary looks like she's in a bit of a daze, perhaps not sure what to make of this. Also, I didn't notice this the first time around, but the angels surrounding baby Jesus look like little kids themselves, little kid angels. But what struck me the most is their different reactions to the baby. One of them looks like they're just so excited and delighted, like he or she's just ready to get in there and about to start clapping or something. Another one is in a similar daze to Mary and staring off into space. He or she seems once removed. And yet another, the one closest to the baby, is entranced and hands in a prayer position as if in deep and earnest prayer. And with the other two angels in the back, I know it's kind of hard to see um, in this light, but uh, one is tucked behind the excited clapping angel, a bit shy, nervous perhaps, as if standing too close would be too much, and maybe standing behind the exuberant angel could make up for her lack of external reaction, like an introvert hanging with an extrovert. Uh, and the last angel in behind is also in prayer, but happy to be a little further back, observing and taking it all in. There's also Joseph, who is standing back in the darkness. I don't have much to say about that. Uh, but I read that the painting was influenced by the visions of St. Bridget of Sweden, who, according to Wikipedia, was a very popular mystic. Shortly before her death, she had described a vision of the infant Jesus lying uh, as lying on the ground and emitting light himself. Also, one cannot ignore the angel in the background hovering above the wise men. The angel is also a source of light as well as a small fire the wise men have lit on the hill. However, I will gloss over this part of the painting because it wasn't what spoke to me. I suppose the thing that struck me 
the invitation is no matter where you find yourself this Advent season, it's all okay. I'm reminded of a time, once upon a time, almost 15 years ago, when Sean used to play for a Christian rock band, and we lived in Nashville. The artists at the, at the record label and their families were invited to an evening with the late Brennan Manning. He had just written a book at the time called The Ragamuffin Gospel, good news for the bedraggled, beat up, and burnt out. His message was about dispelling the myth that you must work to receive God's gift of grace and joy. His message that evening was clear as he repeated several times that God loves you as you are and not as you should be. For some reason, seeing this picture and all of the people and angels surrounding baby Jesus, I feel that invitation. There's no right way to be or react. You can be excited, melancholic, cautious, devoted, a little uncertain. There are no shoulds, just the grace of God freely given. He loves us as we are and not as we should be. Thank you so much, Liana. There's so much there. I'm so glad we recorded it. Right, Dave? All right. Ken, would you come please and share with us your reflections? It was a time like this, war and tumult of war, a horror in the air, hungry yawned the abyss, and yet there came a star and a child most wonderfully there. It was a time like this of fear and lust for power, license and greed and blight, and yet the Prince of Bliss came into the darkest hour in quiet and silent light. And in a time like this, how celebrate his birth when all things fall apart. Ah, wonderful it is, with no room on the earth, the stable is our heart. That was the wonderful uh, Magdalene Langle, not me, who wrote that. There's actually three things uh, that drew my attention in this picture. The first uh, is the darkness and the shadows. The animals, you can barely see. Uh, even if you look at it carefully on the internet, uh, the animals staring down, what is this hairless calf they see before them? And then Joseph standing off in the corner on the right-hand side, not quite in the fullness of light yet. Shadows can conceal and hide and allow us to walk on unnoticed and unnoticing. They hide us. They allow us to remain at a distance. We are told, though, in the lesson this morning, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. Joseph sees the light, and like us, all of us, he is being beckoned to come toward the light. He's beckoned to draw out of the concealing shadows of fear and lostness, of uncertainty, and step toward the light that we might see and that we might hope. My first thought is this invitation that we have too, to step out of whatever we are considering dark at this moment in our lives, whatever shadows we are hiding in, whatever moment we are trying to avoid, and Christ is beckoning us to come toward him, 
to draw towards his light of love and hope. The second thing I noticed in this picture was the shepherds. A revelation of the kingdom is being displayed in here. Now, when Prince George, I think that's the oldest of the current round of royals, right? Is it Prince George? It feels right. When Prince George was born, Buckingham Palace did not go to the streets of East London to announce his birth. Instead, they sent birth announcements around to the world press and world leaders. The God who decided it was not enough to just be God alone, but wanted to be God with us, first chooses a peasant girl from a town no one today would know of had it not been for this event. And then he appears to the functionally invisible, the shepherds. Like many in our world, they are necessarily, or they are necessary, but they largely go unnoticed. Shepherds are only noticed if one of their animals goes missing or causes damage or perhaps dies unexpectedly. How many in our lives are functionally invisible like them? How strange and wonderful a God we have that he would appear to make the announcement of this amazing thing to the functionally invisible. Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day, shepherds. Today is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. I imagine this scene, and, and it's not just like the angel uh, appeared to these people and didn't know who the shepherds were. I imagine the shepherds perhaps even called them by name, because he is the God who knows us. And he says to these shepherds, who he calls by name, at least in my imagination, this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. This is not a statement of exclusion. It is a statement of ultimate inclusion. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, on everyone who dwells in the earth, and it is on them whom his favor rests. His favor rests on absolutely everyone. And not just this night, but throughout his life, Jesus continues to be with the functionally invisible ones. He dines with outcasts and sinners. He heals the unclean and speaks with those who do not otherwise count for much in this world. This picture reminds us that we are not just invited, but we are compelled to see and be with the functionally invisible in our communities and in our lives. Perhaps you feel like one of the functionally invisible. Or perhaps we just need to take time to notice all the people who have been dropping off parcels from Amazon at your house lately. Or the people standing watching over those who are working on the streets, building bridges and trying to keep people safe, or the people who package your groceries at the store. These are the functionally invisible. We barely notice them. But if they weren't there, there could be trouble. The final thing I notice is the source of the light. This picture not only Uh, draws on the Lucan narrative with the stable and the shepherds, but also on the passage we heard from John's narrative. 
In almost all nativity paintings, the source of light is Jesus. And you can see that in here. It is Jesus who's radiating the light. Anything who sees him, that's where the light is coming from. Mary's face is illuminated. The angels' faces are illuminated because of the source of the light. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all the people. His light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Notice even the angel on the hillside is not a source of light, but is more like the moon. The angel is a reflector of the one who is the true light. And the fireside, if you look, uh, it's really hard to see. You can see it just in this picture here up in the upper left-hand corner. There's fire. But that fire is what is what... Uh, Karl Barth referred to as a lesser light. There is only one true great light, and that is Christ. The rest of us are invited to be either reflectors of God's light into the shadows and dark places of this world, or we are to be uh, one of the lesser lights, showing and illuminating what the greater light actually might look like. It is an invitation to participate in the Incarnation. As I looked at this picture over the last couple of weeks, the other poem that came to me that I'll finish on is another one from Madeline Langle. She writes, He did not wait till the world was ready, till men and nations were at peace. He came when the heavens were unsteady and prisoners cried out for release. He did not wait for the perfect time. He came when the need was deep and great. He dined with sinners in all their grime, turned water into wine. He did not wait till hearts were pure. In joy he came to a tarnished world of sin and doubt. To a world like ours of anguish, shame. He came and his light would not go out. He came to a world which did not mesh to heal its tangle, shield its scorn. In the mystery of the word made flesh, the maker of the stars was born. We cannot wait till the world is sane to raise our songs with joyful voice. For to share our grief, to touch our pain, he came with love. Rejoice, rejoice. My hope and invitation for this Christmas is that we can enter into this birth again with some amazement and wonder and shock, even if we know the story so well. And as I was sitting there, one last thing grabbed my attention. The look on the angels' faces, as was beautifully pointed out, they all look different. And I was thinking about that and realized this is the first time these angels are seeing the triune God of the universe like this. However else they had seen him in the universe, in, in the great dance with the Father and the Spirit, he did not look like this. This great one, the Son, for the first time they're seeing him as a baby human. No wonder they are caught in the amazement of the moment. So friends, let's stand in worship and wonder. Let's do your best angel impression as we uh, sing now out of gratitude and joy. I'd like to invite the worship team to come.